Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and with me is Joshua Gray and fellow co-hosts, because you've been on so many times, uh, Dr. Myron Kung and Dr. Jason Daisley. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Good to be here. And welcome, Josh. Hi, thanks. I didn't, I, I didn't love I'm, you and the gentleman. So. I'm also <laughs> glad to be here. I am not a gentleman, so I understand how this goes. Um, we have the, the two uh, doctors here on because we are, again, bringing up coronavirus we didn't want to have to talk about it again. yeah we thought we were past this mostly you know maybe do one or two small things but uh things are on the upswing again yeah and uh there's there's a new variant out there that kind of necessitates us talking about uh new variants and and it's uh yeah <laughs> well you know if you follow the I think this is the fifth time you guys have been on with us fourth or fifth and you know we've kind of hit different milestones it was kind of the COVID's here, what is COVID? Right. You know, then it was, you know, the hospital, how are we adapting to mm-hmm. it? Um, you know, what should you be looking for? And then it was, you know, talk about, you know, the growing summer spike last year. And then we talked about the rollout of the vaccine. And mm-hmm. then we, last time we had you on, we talked about, um, you know, the expansion of the vaccine availability and trying to combat some of that hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, now we're kind of at the, here are the consequences of vaccine hesitancy. Sure. And um, just I mean, just some basic numbers from what I've seen. And if correct me if the data that I, I'm looking at is wrong, but uh, worldwide we're looking at about 23.5% of the population that has at least one dose of COVID-19. Um, vaccine. Of COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine, thank you, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, the United States, we kind of leveled off, and we, you know, we were one of the first countries out the gate to to get the, the vaccine available here, and it's kind of plateaued. Mm-hmm. And see, we're sitting at about, what, 45% somewhere on there? 45% with eligible people having two shots, and a little bit higher than that, 51% of eligible persons with at least one. Mm-hmm. So, so this this weekend's kind of a, you know, monumental weekend for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, 4th of July. Right. Um, but President Biden kind of set July 4th as being the goal um, to, you know, to reach, was it 60%? Mm-hmm. 60 to 70%. That's right. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to make it there in the next three days. No, we're not. And so I think, I mean, the way you started off was great. As the virus evolves, so does our knowledge and understanding. It's kind of gone along with the podcast, the timing of the podcast. The beginning, we talked about masks, and at one point, we were talking about therapies and things to do, steroids, hydroxychloroquine was, you know, a concern, an issue way back when, that kind of thing. And our understanding has definitely evolved, and as has the virus. And now that we have vaccines and we've been trying to do well with masking, the virus in and of itself has evolved, too. So, yes, the variance is the the new issue that we're studying exactly right now and i think that it's great also to look at how things are evolving not only with the virus but also our own body's immune system when you get the vaccine mm-hmm. i think that's key when you get the vaccine there is a chance then that the body has a chance to then acclimate and also to build those protection 
levels that that one would need in order to have what you need in case you do get infected because as we know the vaccine is not going to take away your ability to get infected it's mm -hmm. not going to sterilize you from it but when you get infected you most likely won't need to be hospitalized and most likely won't need a ventilator and will be far away from death and that's the beauty of it and so i think with all the risks and claims and fears there are with a the vaccine these are the things that we know based so on evidence let's touch on that a little bit so it's kind of, you know, one of the great things about working here at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System is we have a lot of people who bought in with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, we're sitting at about, what, 90, 98.5% vaccination yeah, rate? Right exactly. around there. That's, that's right. the employees, yeah. Which is incredible. I mean, that, that's amazing. That's and a lot of that is thanks to the hard work of, that you two gentlemen have done and, you know, getting the word out and, and helping to fight that hesitancy. But, you know, having that... It, you know, it gives me this almost false sense of security that it's like, okay, well, we're all vaccinated here. Um, but, you know, we, we've still seen some employees that have been vaccinated who have gotten infected. What kind of results have you seen from that? Yeah, and I follow along with occupational health and those that are tracking those individuals every day. And we're seeing those that are getting hospitalized are those that are unvaccinated. Those that are vaccinated end up staying home because there's still, you know, so, sort of that risk that if they're here, there may be transmissibility, although the risk may be lower, most likely lower. And at this point, they are stable and they go on beyond their isolation period and they come back to work and those are the things that we're seeing right now there's about five of them that we're following on a regular basis on a daily basis and we're seeing that result every time and so it's just like in the general population 99 percent of those that are being hospitalized and dying are those that are unvaccinated so and just recently up in in reno i know that they had a uh, a va employee who passed away and unfortunately they were not vaccinated Right. So uh, there's definitely evidence to, to corroborate that. Right. I mean, we certainly do see breakthrough, and we'll get into that a little bit right. later. <clears throat> but we always knew that that was going to be part of it. Everybody reacts differently to COVID, and everybody reacts a little bit differently to the vaccine, which is why it's so important to get to a certain number. There are people for whom they have medical conditions who cannot take the vaccine, and it is our burden to share with them you know that's why we advocate everybody who can get the vaccine to get vaccinated and there are, will be people who don't respond too so people who are sick or have chronic illnesses or who are immunosuppressed even if they get the vaccine the vaccine may not work as well and as we are talking about on this podcast the virus will continue to evolve mm -hmm. right now i think we've answered the durability question very well as in how long does immunity last and mm -hmm. we think that, that it's probably going to last a year or maybe even more than that. But that was never the primary concern. The primary concern, the reason we wanted vaccines to roll out so quickly, was because we are trying to outrace the variants coming in. And at one point, even though the vaccines are very good right now, the three that we have in the United States, Moderna, Pfizer, and the J&J &J, are good against the Delta variant, at some point there will be an evolution, a variant that emerges that will escape the ability of the vaccine to cover and we may need a booster shot at that point, so on and so forth. But hopefully we won't. If we can get the vaccination rates up fast enough, that slows down the mutation rate. That's exactly what we're trying to go for. Yeah, because right now we're looking at three different uh, categories of these variants. The first one would be just variant of interest. Where they're on the radar, we're watching it, but uh, all the therapeutics, vaccines work. Mm -hmm. Then the next one is where we're at right now. And these are the variants 
of uh, consequence at this point. It's not high consequence yet, but these are the ones that are more than on the radar, but we know that there's some limitation with signature mutations on the variants themselves. We're going to have a little more challenge in the future if they, you know, become even more of a mutation to then, um, you know, be able to cover those. And that's where they become of high consequence where nothing we give works. And so that's the problem. So for two, th both of you, in, in your day-to-day -day practice, you know, when the, the vaccine first came out, there was, you know, a lot of people that wanted it and, and very little supply. Eventually, supply caught up. Everybody mm -hmm. who wanted it got it. Mm -hmm. And then you had the people who were kind of mm -hmm. on the fence started to see the benefits of it it's not so bad hey look my friend over here his 5g chip doesn't work he didn't grow a third eye out of his <laughs> forehead or, or some of those other conspiracy theories that that people were kind of on you know it seemed truthy but mm -hmm. people didn't didn't really mm -hmm. uh, go in whole hog on mm -hmm. now the people that are left we have more supply than we know what to do with right and we have more supply than we have arms to put it into and the people that are left are the the hardcores mm -hmm. right the, mm -hmm. the 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 covid deniers the the people that really just for whatever reason refuse to get the shot mm -hmm. when you see them come into your practice mm -hmm. and you talk to them mm -hmm. how do you talk to them about and stress that importance of getting the shot it it's different for different people um both dr daisy and i have seen the worst of the worst and for some people that gets through uh, if we relate an anecdote, a young person, totally healthy, three kids, passed away, didn't even get to open his Christmas presents. His wife had to throw away his Christmas presents. That highlights to some people what getting COVID can do. Alternatively, we use the positive aspects of the vaccine, that not only is it a key to getting, be, to, getting to the point where you can do whatever you want, go out to eat, fly, that kind of thing, but there are some benefits that we don't highlight that I think we should. One of them being that even if you've gotten COVID and you have long haul COVID symptoms, there's some evidence now that's coming out that getting the vaccine actually helps with that, whereas nothing else that we've done has been able to cure, quote unquote, COVID, treat COVID once you've gotten it. 40%. Yeah, so there's a lot of positive aspects to COVID. And then there's always the safety issue, and that I am completely cognizant of. Mm -hmm. Both Dr. Daisley and I took an oath never to, do, to never do harm. So when we give a medicine, we are cognizant, very cognizant of the <clears throat> risks and the benefits. And there are risks to everything. Both of us had questions about the COVID vaccine. However, the, the benefits far outweigh the risks. And at this point, having given millions of shots, we have a lot of numbers to back that up. So are there risks? Yes, there are always risks. But the detriment of getting COVID is so much higher than the risks that the vaccines have and the benefits far outweigh the risks that we think that, yes, in almost all cases, it is important to get the vaccine. It is a better thing to get the vaccine. Yeah. And even when you think about some of the allegations of inflammation of the heart, um, allegations of other side effects that appear to last, what we're seeing is they're going to last much longer with the vaccine itself than when it comes to any kind of uh, side effects that the vaccine is going right. to produce. And so when I speak to the patient, I always try to get at their level. We speak in a tone that makes sense to them so that they can understand all of the information that Dr. Kung has just shared with us so that they, they can see from our perspective that we're not there to harm anybody. And we have some evidence for it. We're not just kind of 
talking anecdotally about one case. We're talking about hundreds of millions of different cases out there. And I'm surprised every day. Sometimes I'll be walking in the hall, passing by where the COVID uh, vaccines are taking place. And there's a couple out there that are filling out their clipboards. And maybe they have some last minute anxiety before they get it. And they grab me and they say, hey, I don't know about this. Did you get the vaccine? And so then we start talking about it. And sometimes that's reassuring, even at that last moment where they're probably going to get it anyway. But maybe if they're a little unsure at the last moment, they're ready. And so we bring it up every time I, I have a patient that comes in. I make a little note so I know which ones are those that maybe were hesitant or didn't want it. And then we can talk about it each time. And so without fear, we just bring it up and say, hey, when you're ready to talk about it, we'll talk about it. And I'll sometimes just share information. And that sometimes helps them to come around. I've noticed that has been very helpful in mm -hmm. some instances. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm just surprised. Maybe they come in, they seem totally uh, empath, uh, sort of like... Uh, with uh, they don't have any uh, sort of like desire to even be in the room and sometimes we'll talk about the COVID vaccine and they're like yeah I'll get it today I'm so surprised <laughs> yeah. that doesn't yeah. happen very yeah. often but yeah. it does happen I just sent yes yeah. one of my patients down uh, just to clarify um, you the side effects from having the virus you were saying are much yes, worse. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. I just wanted to right, clarify right, that because right. I, I think you said the vaccine, and I was right, like, right, right. <laughs> no, anybody right, who's listening so out there want to make sure that heart we damage from the virus, you yeah. know, versus, you know, we're talking 30 to 40% of all of our patients who get serious COVID, significant COVID, severe COVID, um, versus thousands out of millions of shots um, who've gotten uh, heart inflammation, which, mm -hmm. by the way, is recoverable. Yeah. yeah. It is definitely self-limited, meaning that it'll go away on its own versus if you get it from the, the virus That's itself. the myocarditis, correct? Yes. Because yes. okay. yes. I know that was a big concern when yeah. they first started seeing it in young people because right. you were seeing athletes who sure. were like college athletes who were sure. in you know, peak physical condition right. with myocarditis. Right. And that completely goes away in those individuals. But if they get COVID, it doesn't go away and they never perform the same. And that's, I think, the point that's really important. The same goes with clotting mm -hmm. and other side effects. All those things will go away when we're talking about the vaccine. But when it comes to the much more instances of those things occurring with the vaccine, or sorry, with the infection, then those instances are not going to go away. So yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up because with athletes, I know, because I'm a big sports fan, mm -hmm. uh, there's been a big push to try to get, you know, from the NFL to try to get their athletes vaccinated mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. as a rule, if like a team is 85% vaccinated, mm -hmm. they don't have to go through the same testing protocols. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's still been a lot of hesitancy with a lot of athletes. And I think that can almost be used as a microcosm for young people in general. Sure. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, you know, one instance is one study that was just done in Scotland, actually, which was interesting. It had a lot of individuals in the study and they looked at primarily, you know, where the variant was going. So they sequenced the variant, but they also looked at the populations that were being vaccinated and they found that those that were vaccinated obviously were able to avoid being hospitalized. But the grouping in this particular uh area in the world that had the most, I guess, Delta variant were those that were young, affluent individuals. And most of them were less, less likely to be vaccinated. And I think that's where a lot of the issue is, is younger people are less likely to get vaccinated. Sometimes there's just not that interest in getting vaccinated. But I think if they understand that this is a public health issue, and a lot of times, like in the, in the case of the mask, it's maybe going to be 20 percent uh, likely for us to be protected by the mask itself, but 80 percent likely that we're going to help somebody else to be protected by the 
the mask. And that goes the same with the vaccine. There's going to be a lot more individuals that we're going to be protecting aside from ourselves from us getting vaccinated so that we're not spreading it to others. You talk about informing people and 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 giving them you know arming them with all of the information mm-hmm. and and that all sounds sounds great mm. um are we reaching a point where knowing what we know about the virus and that it only mutates when somebody is infected mm-hmm. and and that is what's prolonging this are, mm. are we reaching a point where information isn't enough and and you have to maybe reach into another another tool in the toolbox and use shame and, and basically tell people <laughs> you no, seriously that that maybe you tell people you're making this worse you're causing this to continue your your refusal to take the vaccine with with the the concerns that you have uh-huh. it will never go away if you continue doing this <laughs> it, it, it honestly is there a is is there a, a point where that becomes the viable tactic right you know what you're asking is is a big psychological and philosophical question right mm-hmm. so always we like especially in medicine to use the positive reinforcement strategy to get behavior negative yes can work and i do try to scare patients say hey if you don't take this medicine or if you don't do this there's a distinct possibility you could die okay but what we'd like to do is to have people have agency in their own care autonomy in their own care if the motivation comes from within and whatever may trigger this will be good for your daughter you know who's got a chronic illness so if you get vaccinated you're protecting her whether we appeal to their altruism or whatnot if the motivation comes from within, if the locus of control is internal, we find that that's much better for medicine in general, right? Our relationship working for medicine. Yes, I do employ other strategies. I do try to put the fear of God into them. If there is a patient who fits their demographic exactly, like you're talking about young people, you know, we had a security guard, perfect weak fit, right? Um, Been through all the testing and things like that and left behind three children and his wife. And I have somebody who, fits their demographic, a patient's demographic, then that anecdote, I think, helps a lot too. The shaming aspect, I like to look at it as the um, uh, altruistic, like community aspect, right? Like we're all in this together. I know Americans, we love to be individualists, but we also love to help each other. I think, you know, we saw that in 9-11, this recent, um, you know, the, the condo collapse in Florida, how the community ca- came together. That's the element that we like to appeal to. The shaming works only part of the time, and it can cause somebody to dig in. And that's something I definitely want to try to avoid if we can. Yeah, I think it's statistically, yeah, it seems the positive reinforcement really does work a lot better overall. But I think it's all in the way that we present it. Um, it can really make a difference in the perspective that we can allow the individual to take when they're being informed because each opportunity that we have to speak to them is the opportunity to educate and to help them to realize the perspective we're taking. And at that point, they can make their own decision and agency can be a part of it and be a positive thing for them in the future. So I think all those things, uh, sometimes it sees impossible or some sort of a miracle to help people to come to realization that this is a public health issue. This is a collective issue, Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. an individual thing. And we're not taking somebody's control away. It's all about assisting other people to be free, free of the virus. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about some of the new variants that we're seeing. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this.
Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to The Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here with Dr. Daisley and Dr. Kung. So we talked a little bit about some of the, you know, continuing battle against vaccine hesitancy, some of those consequences. But, you know, the real consequences don't lie just any micro level at, you know, a person's well-being and health. You know, sometimes it affects the world. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see that with some of these variants that are coming out. So, you know, thankfully somebody had the good idea to, to start just referring to them by a, a Greek name, <laughs> a Greek alphabet, as opposed to just putting all these numbers and letters behind right. things. Um, so the big one going on right now is called the Delta variant, That's right? right? That's right. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the virus mutates all the time. And Dr. Daisley said there are three major classifications, variants of interest, variants um, of concern, and variants of high consequence. The high consequence is a trouble one because that means it escapes both vaccines and all the treatments that we have available. Okay. This is not a hard and fast science. It's not like God came down and said, hey, this is the Delta variant. How we came up with this is that as the virus starts to mutate significantly, and it accumulates a number of mutations, we say four major, that's where the, you get the numbers from, right? B1, 17, so on and so forth. We assign a new Greek letter to it, okay? Now we're careful about how we assign the Greek letters, not a, again, a hard and fast science, but if it starts to show significant difference in behavior from other variants, that's when we give it a letter. And the reason we give it a letter instead of a country is because right now the Delta is more in places other than just India. That's where the, uh, the Delta originated. But now that it is everywhere, you can't just call it the India because it's in the United States. It's in every 50 state right now. We have it here. Okay. The reason we track these is, again, it has bearing on how e efficacious the vaccine is and how effective our treatments is. Not only that, we know that there is a significant difference in the transmissibility of this particular variant. So compared to the original, the Delta is 60% more transmissible. We don't quite know yet, and I don't know, <clears throat> Dr. Daisley, you've seen the most up-to-date data, 
We don't quite know whether it's more deadly. We think that it is just because you need a lot less virus than you did before to get severe disease. And again, the vaccines that we have right now are actually very good for this particular variant. Yeah, so I think um, it could be more deadly in the way that if it's more contagious, it could quickly spread through the body in those most vulnerable places and those that are more immunosuppressed, and in that way it would be more deadly. And that's where I think it would affect and impact the mortality in those that would be of the most vulnerable population, Mm -hmm. the elderly, those that are on chemotherapy, those that are immunosuppressed for whatever reason where Mm -hmm. their immune system just cannot take it. Mm -hmm. You know, when when you were talking about the the increased transmissibility of of the Delta variant, you know, it used to be with with original COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> like yeah. we're talking about like soda now, like new Coke and you know. yeah. <laughs> but with the original COVID, you had to be exposed for a, a lengthy amount of time right. to to really to really get the worst of it. Right. Um, I, I don't know if you would consider this anecdotal or or not, but I was reading a, a news report from. Uh, Australia mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y- yesterday, mm-hmm. where they they you know they have a very robust con- contact tracing yeah. uh, system in place there, right. and you know they they realized that one individual got it from another individual in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know they backtraced everybody and they said, okay, you two cross paths at this restaurant. That's right. They went back and reviewed yep. the security footage yep. from that restaurant, yep. and they literally just walked by each yep. other, and that was enough to get them sick right so it's not a thing like one of the things i told my wife about you know oh yeah it's safe to go shopping because you're you're in a you're in a grocery store you know walmart's a big open place there's a lot of circulation right right. you know you could walk by somebody with covid and you're not going to get it because you're not going to be exposed long enough to it right that's not the case anymore it it sounds like that's what we worry about when we say increased transmissibility it means either less virus or the virus latches on a little bit better so the things that we talk about in terms of safety margins, the distance you need to be from somebody, six feet, uh, the time that you need to be exposed, 15 minutes, all of that can change because if the virus becomes more transmissible, then those margins need to be wider or larger in order to avoid getting COVID. And as we always said from the beginning, the vaccine was not the be-all and end-all. The vaccine was just one part of all of these better than just masking, better than just distancing, but not in isolation, in combination with all of our other strategies. And as the variants emerge, we're afraid that we're going to have to then increase our measures to avoid this transmissible problem. Yeah, and the good thing is certain places in the United States and other places that are highly vaccinated, looking at Vermont, looking at New York, places like that where they're above 70% for sure, Vermont, they're 80%. San Francisco, they're highly vaccinated. We're not seeing any outbreak. We're not seeing any elevation or any rise. Mm -hmm. But as we keep having an influx of people in different places, there will be areas that will light up and continue to increase, especially in those areas like here where the vaccination rate is so low here and other places we're not the only places but we're now number one in the nation for the highest number of cases and we're not just talking about positive cases where we're doing a lot of tests people are positive for whatever reason we're Mm -hmm. talking about also hospitalizations those are in the icu Mm -hmm. and deaths will follow Mm -hmm. and we're going to see that lag of deaths as well it's already increasing and it'll continue to increase especially after the long weekend the fourth of july weekend yeah where you have a bunch of people coming from all over the place exactly right here that's right how how more difficult does that make your job when like if you're in vermont and everybody's vaccinated Mm -hmm. you know it, it takes 
you know, not th there's not hundreds of thousands of people going to Vermont for on vacation, right? Right. Um, how much harder does it make your job when everybody's, for lack of a better term, bringing their problems here? Right. I mean, we prepare for that. So you know, when we look at diseases and not just COVID, uh, because we're a place that gets 44 million visitors a year. Whatever happens in the rest of the world, we treat here. So we consider ourselves essentially international medicine. Mm -hmm. We don't practice very much regional medicine. And so when we think about, hey, you know, this is pretty much only, you know, like Lyme disease. Only people in Rocky Mountain get this one, you know, east of the Rockies and whatnot. No, we see all of that here. So that's how we approach medicine. We keep an open mind because we know that we can get anything from anywhere else in the world. Does that mean that you might have a, a false sense of security when you look at the state's numbers of vaccinations and say it's 55, 60 percent or sure. whatever it is right now? But then that doesn't account for the influx of people who might come in from other places where the, you know, some of the southern states sure. right now, it's 20 yeah. percent yeah. that, I mean, that are completely vaccinated. You know, in, in times of high travel, Christmas, New Year's, July mm -hmm. 4th, that kind of thing, we will probably have more tourists in town than we actually do residents. Right, so more non-Las Vegans than we do. And yeah, that's something that we think about all the time. And it's, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say that also with all that influx of people, you think about like the new resorts, uh, a casino mm -hmm, that's open mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. you think about the 30,000 individuals there and none of them are masked. You walk in, you may see one or two people masked. How many of those are actually vaccinated? Yeah, <laughs> and that's right. the problem. The CDC says that you don't need to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. But even then, I think a lot of us would agree that masking is still probably a good idea in these in, in these places when they're so densely populated indoors etc so that's going to continue to be a huge problem as we go forward with our low numbers other places and here where people are coming here as such an influx of people and you know with these dense populations and low vaccination rates that's right it's going right. to be a problem well and i think that you see like the overall mindset for people who aren't as plugged into this information sure. as, as you guys are yeah, sure the overall mindset seems to be we're done. You're right. Like it's over, right? Absolutely. Like I mean, right. I walk into Target and <laughs> nobody's wearing a mask, and you, know, you don't know if anybody's vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Golden Knights were playing to a full house. Yes, right. I'm I'm fully vaccinated, and that's my mindset. Like yeah. I'm sure. like I don't have to wear a mask anymore. Right. I, I earned it. Right? right. I did what I did. I did the responsible right. thing. Right. I wore a mask for right. everybody else when it was time to. But now that I'm vaccinated, right. CDC says that I don't have to anymore. I'm not. So right. you know, even if we're even if we're in a situation where we do get a lot of people vaccinated we get more participation mm -hmm. vaccination mm -hmm. if we get a variant that like you said mm -hmm. it's that third category where mm -hmm. it's you know it's escaping the right. capabilities of vaccinations yep. how hard is it going to be for us to move back into what we had last year i understand that and i empathize too everybody and including us we have covid fatigue we couldn't operate at red line you know for forever we had to stand down but the vaccine is not an in impenetrable shield Okay, if you continually assault it, if you don't do things to bolster it, the shield will fall. Okay, if there are infinite numbers of variants, the shield will fall. If you strengthen the shield with masking, with distancing, with risk mitigating behaviors, and I'm not saying that you can't go out and enjoy yourselves, you really should, right? You know, especially you know with family members, unmask that kind of thing. That's important. That's important for the psyche. Um, but we can't say that the vaccine is completely fail-safe or impenetrable. And that's what I worry about. Now, we can get ahead of this if we do the work now. This is what we're talking about, vaccine hesitancy. If we can get ahead of this 
and reach herd immunity, 70% vaccination rate, then the risk of mutation and a variant escaping will be very low, and we can get on top of it right away. That's the thing, and that's what we're trying to advocate for. Is is that 70% effective when you when it's not an even blanket? When when you have some areas that right. are 80%, yes. but you have some areas that are 20? No, no, right. It it's it. it it's, it will definitely be regional, which is why, uh, you know, some uh, epidemiologists talk about two Americas, right? If it averages out to 70, it doesn't necessarily mean that the non-70% areas are going to be protected. No, not at all. It needs, every area needs to be. We can't leave pockets unattended. Because mm-hmm, that's where you get the areas that light up. And that's where you get some of the therapeutics that we hail so much, the monoclonal antibodies that are helpful. It's a passive vaccination. It's shown a lot of decrease in mortality. But now with Delta Plus, there's not as much coverage there. And that is a real problem for us because there's only one of them that we can use in this region particularly because we have so much of the variant, especially the Delta variant right here with us now. In, in your opinions, based off of what the information you follow, how mm. how soon do you think the FDA is going to drop the emergency use? Yes, and just give it to give it give it give it full authorization because it seems like that's where a lot of people that that I see personally are sure. hung up. They're like, right. I'm not taking Absolutely. an experimental sure. right. drug, right. and even yeah. though it's not experimental, mm-hmm. it's right. emergency use. Right. It's that's right, but but that's their hang up. Yes. Their hang up is. If it was FDA approved and, and fully good, then mm-hmm. I'd be good with it. Right. So yeah. how how soon can we accept expect to see that? So here's the here here's the um, like we talk about with the naming of the variants. And Dr. Daisley, correct me if I'm wrong. The FDA approval process is also somewhat of an arbitrary construct. Okay. Previous FDA approval for these kinds of medications could take years. All right. Even if you only studied a couple hundred patients, it would take years. We have millions of pa- you know, people with shots in their arms. So we can't give full FDA approval just because of the definition of what we said FDA approval was. Two years. Coronavirus hasn't even been with us for two years. So there will not be full FDA approval, even though we've given millions of shots across the world. Because our definition, original definition of FDA approval was two years. Now, should we change that definition? There's some argument for that. But I want to emphasize again. That was a definition that we had before COVID. When we gave authorization, emergency, EUA um, approval for the vaccines, we did not compromise safety. That's the most important thing. And we are continuing to follow that. That's something that we do in medicine all of the time. Just because we've gotten approval, even FDA approval for old medicines, we've had to change our minds sometimes as we've gotten new Mm -hmm. data. And so we are still continuing to look at the safety data. So I want to reassure all of our listeners that just because we may have reached a certain point doesn't mean that we forget to continue to look at the science. When you have that many shots that have been given out both in the United States and worldwide, mm-hmm. it, it, do you get to a point where emergency use versus full authorization is almost semantics? No, because I want to be clear. I, I, I always want to be clear with our listeners what we do and what we don't know. Okay, We know about the side effects. We know how frequently they happen in what age population they tend to happen. We know how effective the vaccines are. One thing that I cannot answer and that I do know that people have questions, and I just want to be honest about this, is what happens a year from now? What happens two years from now? Will something pop up? That is a question that we honestly cannot answer. Now, 
looking at the science, were very confident, both Dr. Daisinger and I took our vaccines. You guys did as well. Um, but again, until I'm at two years, I will let you know. And I, I think all that is exactly right. We just know this platform has been around for a long time already, the mRNA platform. We haven't seen any signatures of issues come up with any of those that have used it in the last 20 years. And we haven't seen any so far with what we know. And the science is the fact that this deteriorates in the system very quickly. And so the side effects are not going to remain. It's done its job as trained the immune system, right. and there's nothing else that's going to happen there. And so I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to wait two to three years, and I'm not going to get the vaccine until then. And what if they get COVID before now and then? That's going to be the main issue. So I know that the rigorous, uh, you know, sort of thorough look into the, 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 the phase trials initially that were done with the mRNA vaccines, as well as Johnson & Johnson, was adequate. Yes. It was more than adequate. It was the same as what they would do for the license process. It's mm -hmm. just the license process does have more of a time interval. And that's where mm -hmm. a lot of that whole time interval has come in with previous vaccines mm -hmm. that we've been through. Mm -hmm. But the emergency use authorization, there mm -hmm. is some arbitrariness to that. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's really just so that we can help those individuals, again, with this whole race against the variants mm -hmm. and get more people protected so that they can mm -hmm. then go on with their lives. So we're six months in now with yeah. most of these vaccines, um, or over six months. Over six months, point. yes. Um, are we still working with the original recipe, or have they started, uh, you know, changing okay. things up to right. adapt to some of the right. variants? So right now the shots going in arms are the original recipe. I will tell you that there are ongoing studies with slight variations as we start to continue to sequence these variants. This gets at the question of the booster. Okay, The booster research being done is actually with a new sequence or a modified sequence to address these variant issues. Yeah. And they're just about to start that booster trial right now, and so it's going to be important for us to watch how that uh, goes in the next few months so that then we know if we really need the booster and when. Mm -hmm. So the whole durability question is being answered through that also through those three phase trials as well. So, so those helpful. will have to go back through the authorization process to get emergency yes. authorization. Yes, but they're abbreviated, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, you're only modifying um, one of the sequences, but the remainder of it in terms of the efficacy, uh, you're, you're trying to analyze for efficacy, but in terms of the safety profile and things like that is mm -hmm. uh, almost akin to the original recipe. Mm -hmm. So will that delay the FDA approval then, like the normal FDA approval? That should no. not. Okay. No. no. So, you know, I've seen some stuff recommending that the other, that a booster will probably be required, uh, but a lot of that's coming from the actual manufacturers or the, or the sure. companies. <laughs> sure. So it, it's hard sure. to get a, you know, a non-biased <laughs> opinion on that. Um, right. From what you guys have seen, you're thinking right. that a booster will probably be it required? It seems that way, especially yeah. now that we're looking at one of the manufacturers that has gone up by 50% on their manufacturing, and that's not only for that, but also to ship more out of the U.S. Right. And I think we're just getting closer in the science as well, based on some of these smaller trials that are going on that aren't part of the bigger trial that just really show that, yeah, the booster may be something that we'll need. We don't know how soon or how often it will be, but at this point, yeah, it's looking more likely like that'll right. be the case based on what we know about the immune system and how it is affected by the vaccine. That's right. And for the record, both Dr. Daisley and I have no affiliations and no complex at all. We're not allowed <laughs> no to own pharmaceutical stock. So that's right. That's fair. So when you came here with your Pfizer, yeah, Bio exactly. My Pfizer, yeah. my <laughs> Pfizer shirt, my <laughs> Pfizer jacket. No thanks. No. Um, 
are there any other recommendations? You know, every every episode we kind of leave off with wash your hands, wear your masks, yep. get your vaccine, yep. everything like that. Is there anything else that we can do at this point? Uh, you know, I I like the analogy and the concerns you brought up brought up about younger people and you know younger athletic people who are in good health, who have some degree of vaccine hesitancy, not necessarily because. You know, they believe in a conspiracy theory, but because they're healthy and 99% of people who get COVID survive with no problem. Um, You know, the analogy that I hear a lot is that, oh, my immune system needs a workout. This is how vaccines work. Instead of putting you out on the firing line with live ammo against a live enemy, we train you, right? We put you in a scenario. We give you training equipment. That's how vaccines work. It's training your body. So it's not weakening your immune system other way around. It's actually training your immune system. And like Dr. Daisley said, the products degrade very quickly. So you go into the weight room, you lift the weights, you get a pump, but you're not carrying around that weight for the rest of the day. You put the weight back on the rack, like a good gym uh, person (laughs) should do, and you get the benefits from then on. That's exactly what the vaccine does. And I hope that analogy helps with some of our younger listeners. You know, we've heretofore addressed a lot of these to our high risk, you know, 65 and older, medical conditions, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, our veterans. But I think this podcast would be good for some of our um, you know, younger veterans who mm-hmm. have concerns about the vaccine. Yeah, and I think none of us would go out to battle without protection on, without having armor on. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just on-the-job training. You need mm-hmm. sort of like that classroom, that sort of lecture beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then you can go out and do the practical after the theoretical is done. And it's like physical therapy, too. Physical therapy is going to be something where you're going to get an idea of how to lift, what's the best way to do it, right. and then you can do it on your own after. And there I think that's where the natural infection versus the immunized you know, sort of like protection is going to vary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're listening out there and you have not gotten your vaccine yet, your luck. We still are offering the vaccine on a walk-in basis or by appointment. Uh, we have moved our vaccine point of dispensation clinic. It used to be in the auditorium. Uh, we've moved it over near the uh, west entrance, uh, right across from ophthalmology. That's right. I, a better way to put it is exactly midpoint between Dr. Daisley and doc, my mm-hmm. office. Pulmonary. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right there in the middle. And going to that middle point, make sure <laughs> yeah. you don't have to go to, into either, either of their eyes. Let's yes. avoid that. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for joining us today. It's always great to have you here. Hopefully we'll be able to have have you guys on here for something that's not COVID related at some point. <laughs> Enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, this, exactly. is always, this has always been a pleasure. Yes. All right. Thank you. And we will catch you guys in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>